On today's Phoenix Magazine podcast, meet the guy who probably loves Phoenix the most. This episode of the Phoenix Magazine podcast is sponsored by Garrison Brothers Distillery. The high fashion takeover is coming soon from the great Garrison Brothers Distillery that makes all of its handcrafted award-winning bourbons down on the ranch in High, Texas. Throughout the month of September, Garrison Brothers presents the high fashion takeover. Bars and restaurants are invited to create their own innovative old-fashioned recipes featuring Garrison Brothers bourbon. The Garrison Brothers Distillery is the first legal bourbon distillery outside of Kentucky and makes its premium bourbons to be rich, bold, and sweet without the heat. It's served best however you like your bourbon, neat over ice or in a craft cocktail like America's favorite cocktail, the Old Fashioned. For more information on the High Fashion Takeover, visit the website highfashion.com. That's high, H-Y-E, fashioned.com. Welcome to the Phoenix Magazine podcast for the week of August 23rd. I'm Matt Johnson, Director of Digital Content. And next to me, first time introduce uh, Morel Englefield on the podcast. Morel, our art director for Phoenix Magazine. Thanks for sitting in. Glad to be Ooh. here. This is cool. I'm impressed by your setup, Matt. Uh, thank you. Producer roots are coming out right now. For, for folks who uh, may not have heard your voice or seen your videos like on our YouTube or Instagram, tell us a little bit about yourself because uh, you are one of the longest tenured employees here at Phoenix, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything about strong. age. You've just been here and you've been holding down the fort for a long time. Well, with with your with your lady. I mean, um, she got here a few months before I did way back in 2003. I want to say sure. um, 20 years, actually. Um, I started out in the production department um, and I was actually Molly's relief when Molly had to, you know, take a vacation or have a baby or something like that for, for a few Molly's years. Molly's our CFO for both magazines. Yeah. So that was the beginning of this publishing career. Um, and then went into Phoenix Home and Gardens editorial department for about eight years. Um, and then when the iPad came out is when I kind of decided I wanted to try a more technological approach with design and see how that would be. And it, did that for a few years and then this editorial position in Phoenix magazine opened up and I'm like, well, that's, I'm feeling like a little bit of a change and the, next, the rest is history, I guess. You know? Okay. All right. So. Very good. I like what you said when, when, I I, when the iPad came out. When did the iPad come out? <laughs> what year did it? Oh, like 2010, I want to say. Yeah. No, was... no, no. Was it? Yeah. That seems about right. So you've sure. been here longer than 10 years. Yeah. I'm not, don't quote me on that. I mean, it's all kind of a blur, but um, yeah, funny. I think it was about 2010. Um, our former uh, president, Mike Shoemaker, um, I was bugging him, him and Bill, for like probably over a year. Like, did you see Martha Stewart's presentation at Adobe Max? How she took <laughs> Martha Stewart living and turned this flower and it was blooming, like on the cover of Living, which at the time just blew my freaking mind. I'm like, if Phoenix Home and Garden doesn't do this, like that would be just a wasted platform you know what i mean we have to do something yeah. and they were kind of like against digital publishing at the time i yeah. think they were diehard like print um i mean mike mike wasn't but bill was and of course you have to convince the boss boss to you know do something new in the in the company so finally bill must have given him the green light and and i'm sitting there at my desk and mike was went down to the apple store and he walks in and just handed me the ipad and he said show us what you can do oh wow 
And I was like, what? <laughs> oh my God. I was so excited. It was like the most fun thing. And I literally had no idea how to do it. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> but um, Adobe makes it really easy to learn their products. Like yeah. you just go to any Adobe product and there is a tutorial times a thousand oh, for sure. to do something. And, and I learned just by taking it home and experimenting and watching those tutorials. And that was fun. That was my next career. For and YouTube years. is such a big help for that too. And we'll get into, you hear the oh, other yeah. voice kind of on the third microphone, <laughs> our guest for this episode, uh, but you know him well. Um, you worked, you worked together uh, shooting a lot of our videos that we see on Instagram and, and throughout uh, uh, the local buzz app. It is the creator of local buzz, Tony C. Hello. Hello. You know, I, I'm, we, we, we were talking before, right. And I, I've always called you Tony say, That's uh, right. I like that too. It's CE, right. <laughs> <laughs> if I travel to other countries, I'm going to use, I'm going to say, say that's, that's uh, just to kind of yeah. give a little cool lingo. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was kind of doing some background search, but like Tony say that that's, that's just your stage name, right? You, your real name is yeah, a lot real, longer and harder to say. Can you say it for us? Uh, my real, my, so my American name is Tony and my, uh, it's Asian, which um, I'm Laos, um, Southeast Asian name is Suksavan Chantavong. Suksavan is the one word, last name Chantavong. So Laos and Thai people have very long names, very long last names, you know, um, first names. But my family calls me Alay. Alay for Al- short, like Alay, Alay. That's like it doesn't see how it's pronounced. Tony Suksavan and Alay, right? So Alay means it's like golden sunset sunrise you know sunset at like at the end of the ocean wow just that one word that one pronunciation <laughs> my mom told me this right you know and so um i go how'd you get suks i don't know i never asked about how that suks on the chat the one it's just it's just a lot of laos laotian and then thai people have very long last and why is that why i don't that? know i mean like if you think about it, you have vietnam vietnam has you know the short then you have like Laos next to it, and you have Thailand, and you have like Cambodia. Cambodians have very short names, like one word, like Peng or or May or like that, right? And you have Myanmar, and they go into South Asia with like you know India and all you know Bangladesh, and it's like I don't know. I think there was a big influence of Indian, you know, South Asian Indian culture into that, and I think the migration might have it's been. A jump over. <laughs> I don't it, know. I don't know. Is it one of those situations like I know in older countries, like they take the name of the original father and then they add another name of like a new uh, person in the in the mix. You know, they meld them and then they keep doing that down the line. Is that one of those situations or Laos Thai writing? And I could probably say for Cambodia, it has this it has a this Arabic Indian writing to it. But I think when you look at it, it looks like more a lot of characters. So I think the transition to like that kind of alpha, the English alphabet, um, you know, uh, you know, it just people probably just like, okay, we're gonna make this letter become this, you know, this character become this letter. So I think that's how those typo. I have thirteen letters in my last name. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was another one of the the things I I learned about you is you know what four languages? Yeah, Laos, um, Vietnamese, um. Two different dialects of Chinese, Chuchao, which is a village language, and and Cantonese, and um, I mean I can understand and Thai too. Yeah. So are those all kind of are they similar? There no, are a lot I mean of differences. like so so I'm actually so like Cantonese and Chuchao Tai Chu is is actually from China. That's a, you know um, Tai Chu is a village language, like like kind of like Hmong or you know mountain people and all that. 
We were, my family are, is half Chinese, actually. I'm half Chinese. But we consider ourselves Laos because we were born in Laos. My oh. family, through my grandparents, they've been in Laos. It was my great-grandparents that migrated from middle China uh, to create, start a farm in Laos. Um, and then that's how it became. So, but our language, our dialect is like not familiar like Cantonese and Mandarin. You know, because right now Mandarin is like taking over the world in the sense of the language. Mandarin and Spanish, right? Um, those are the top yeah, Mandarin two. is kind of what they're teaching in schools right now. Yeah. Um, it's just because of population. Yeah. yeah, it's just like you know because the Chinese population has just gotten so huge, and Spanish has been around you know universal as well, right? I mean, so these two are these are the top part. But Chinese is the language I have that I, I I'm sorry I speak um, is very rare. I don't think my like my generation after the probably one more generation it could be one of those languages that there's statistics like there's a lot of languages out there that's going to be non-existent in the next like 100 years wow you know because of just they're ancient languages right and then evolution happens the new languages come in right well we start our english that we speak now i've listened to like some ai stuff of how english used to sound like like in 1200s Totally different. Totally uh-huh. like, totally. Like, so things just evolved in that yeah. sense. <laughs> For sure. The medieval English language, like, no one speaks like that, you know? All right. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we bring you in here today, Tony, because you were a great 48 alumni. You were in Thank the you. issue last year. Yes. We're, we have, uh, Morel, we're working on that. For the uh, that feature for the December uh, November December issue, mm-hmm. and we're getting nominations uh, starting to um, get those out and asking people to submit those. When when you learned that we had chosen you for this feature, which we've done for a number of years, the Great Forty Eight, you know, it's a uh, great people that are doing great works in the in the community. What what, what kind of struck you about that? To be honest, I was very humbled. I think I learned to be humbled. I think accepting, you know, these kind of nominations and, and awards, I've <clears throat> I never put it to my ego. I just know that I just but it also makes me, you know, humble in the sense that I know I'm doing something within the community for the communities, for different communities um that's that I support and serve that I'm on the right path. So it's so it just kinda gives me this drive that if the community believes in me then I believe in them too. So it's a full circle of not just like, hey, I accept this award or accept this kind of feature where it's more about I'm just being grateful for that I can have this opportunity in my life to represent, do what I love, which is, you know, help others as well and so forth and, and do, you know, great things of, it's not just one person, I think doing great things with people all together, you know, and I think that's where I kind of stand with this. So I feel kind of very just humble about it. So, I mean... <clears throat> I love your yeah. quote from the from the issue last year. I wrote it down here. Uh, you say, I've met all walks of life. And one thing I found is that all humans want to connect. Yes. That's where the magic is. That is. That's where the magic is. I, I mean, that. That's where I think coming from the restaurant industry and being in the kitchen with chefs or in the background, like, you know, the restaurant industry is tough. You know, people, we love to go out, eat, dine at, you know, great places, nice places. But but in the back to make those functions and those things happen to you know serve people in the restaurant industry, it's a lot of different stressing layers. But the greatest thing I've learned is that no matter what, in those backgrounds, when you're back in the kitchen with them and you you share that kind of experience, in the end, 
people do it with heart and they just want to be, they just want to connect with others, you know? And I think you sit down and you get to vibe with them too. Cause after the thunder, after the storm weighs out, you get to sit down and have a drink with them and sit at a ta- round table and just enjoy that moment of clarity and that connection. Right. And I feel like, I think that's how I go across every different community in a sense or business that people want to do what they love to do, but the work they put on, it's relatable, especially if I come, you know, if you come from that, you know, background of the hustle and bustle a little bit, um, you can understand people's kind of struggles or the passion of going through those struggles and, and feel connected. And I think just overall in the world, like if nobody wants to connect to each other, I would just tell them, go off the grid, go live in the woods, <laughs> you know, go, go be that, you know, the guy who lives, you know, person who lives, chops down trees and builds a cabin and lives with their dog and, and, and that, you know, be happy with that. And, and it's, it's, you know, some people do that. Some people love going off the grid, but we're reality where connecting is very important because as human beings, as communities, that's how we thrive. Yeah. That's what we were meant for, right? That's what we're meant for. Yeah. We're meant to learn. We're meant to share a good beer together, a good meal, um, you know, and just the energy, right? It's all about energy and synchronizing and feeling that kind of strong connection so we can, you know, make life meaningful. Yeah. And maybe we can share bud. that, uh, <laughs> maybe we can share that ice, some of those ice cream cakes that were delivered this morning after this, right? Well, that's, Thank you, that's... Tom's incredible ice cream cakes and Scott Steele. <laughs> yeah, those are, the blueberry one was. Where was like being surprised <laughs> by just a, a drop off of something here from a, from a local company? You might have to go throw them up on the uh, local buzz app and, and get, I will. The, get I the will. buzz about Tom's incredible ice cream cakes. You know what? I think I'm going to visit. Are they open today? I think I'll probably visit them right after this. There you say, go. Yeah. So, tell us about the the app because we wrote about you. You you you, you founded this this app called Local Buzz. Yep. Um, a take on uh, Instagram and TikTok in a way, video sharing, but it's all local companies, and you you feature all these great places to go, things to do, mm-hmm. places to eat. Um, tell me a little bit more about kind of what what was the what was the inspiration behind it? The inspiration is one of those, like right now, if us three was say, what's going on around town at this moment? No one has, no one really has a clue. With technology, with AI, even like being mainstream right now, 2023, we're still kind of like, <laughs> to connect our communities, we're still kind of disjointed a little bit, right? And <clears throat> with uh, the video, with, you know, video-based because of TikTok is now have like made video digital video king these days. Um, you know, we're up to speed with that. So local buzz is a video discovery platform. Uh, what makes it a difference is that it has that TikTok video format, how I feel, but it's categorized and it's categorized duties, eats and drinks, community events, arts and culture set, separate. So when you make a post on there, you can put it under that post for other communities to discover because these are all we're all human beings wanting to connect we all have the same common interests whereas like you know family friendly and all those things and that's how i feel like you could tap into knowing what's happening in communities through the platform local buzz we're trying to solve that problem of what's happening in our local communities through these common interests and that how it came to be was when i was doing when i was creating phoenix night market um phoenix night market was this asian inspired night market <clears throat> At that time, no one did night markets in Phoenix, no Arizona. It was all day festivals, taco festival, this festival, that festival, at a park, 10 to 5, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, go, out, go out and get sunburned <laughs> at uh, the it. beer festival. Yeah, beer. <laughs> go home and pass out at 6 o'clock yes, at night. exactly right. 
um, so when I was doing so I, when I had snow in my dessert shop, I used to do a lot of events at these festivals as a vendor. And one day it just clicked to me and I was like, how come there's no night festival in Arizona? And that's when I was inspired by the Asian night markets in Hong Kong, Taiwan and all that. And <clears throat> when I created that, it started from 6 p.m. to midnight, right? But when the, before before we even launched it, I had to go out and meet who would I want to be vending at the event. And I wanted it to be multicultural, even though it was Asian theme, but it was multicultural. Diverse or everything. Whereas, you know, food trucks, hot dogs, you know, Cantonese food, you know, Salvador for all that, right? Um, Yum. <laughs> when I went out, yeah, when I, you know, so I had to go to different events and festivals and little different communities and cultures to find out about these people. I'm like, how come there's no platform to know what's going on right now in these communities? Arizona is really big, so spread out. But, you know, like you guys know, it's spread out and there's different things happening everywhere. It's not where like Chicago is like neighborhood block to block, right? And um, that's how Local Bus came to be. I met my co-founder. He came across me. He was like, I have this platform that he's the one that kind of came up with the beta program <clears throat> where you could post stuff about what's happening locally through these categories and discuss to discover about. It was kind of like at the time, it was like Pinterest, you know, so people would post there. And then we started getting hits, like 30,000 hits a month, actually. And um, then we raised, we knew that we had to build an app. And then the pandemic hit. So we built the app during the pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah. um, But the whole goal was when I did the night market, I discovered so many things in Phoenix. And people would say there's, when people think of Phoenix, they don't think of much. You know what I mean? I mean, for what Phoenix Magazine does, it's amazing. You guys highlight. But on the grander scale, people from out of different states, they don't think much about Phoenix. Um, I'm trying to prove that Phoenix has a lot of communities of culture, traditions, and things that makes Phoenix awesome. And there's yet has been a startup tech that rose out of Phoenix. Usually, like, there's from techs that come from Silicon Valley and all these areas, right? Sure. So we have an opportunity right now to pave the way to show that there's what local communities, culture, and connections all about in Phoenix to pave the way for other cities to show how, what, how, and we're doing it already. You know, we've launched Phoenix, now Chicago, and there's people in Chicago that has told us like, man, Phoenix's fee is, is amazing. <laughs> you know, like, yes, there's a lot going on, you know, like, um, lot to discover people didn't know about, about Phoenix, right? Yeah, we so are you're in Austin and Chicago and yep. Phoenix. Uh, any other markets? Or no, yeah, a... I mean, um, we're in LA as well, but okay. LA is just like, you know, we just launched it there just to keep it open because we go out there to, you know, to, to uh, network. But for the most part, the most active is Phoenix, Chicago, and Austin. Do you like any of those cities more than Phoenix, or is Phoenix still? <laughs> Everyone's right? different, Phoenix you know. Every maybe. city's different, but yeah. I put my heart and soul, invested my time, invested my soul, not my, you know, I mean money too, but you know, like invested uh, my life, half of my life to Phoenix, and I'm proud to say I'm a Phoenician, and I love what the city has offered. You know, I, I like I like going to Chicago, but nothing against Chicago, but you know, Chicago is an older city, and everything's built right next to each other. So when you have when you live in the city and you say you go to the park, I'm like I'm trying to think like where's the park? At? You know like there's the space is so tight there and everything's like right next to historic and like three buildings up at least. Where Phoenix is, you have space. Crawled out, yeah. Yeah, I mean I appreciate this. Now that we're older, like you know I appreciate like the front yard and even though it's rocks, but like you know like <laughs> <laughs> right. But I appreciate the neighborhood walk through 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 homes and and 
palm tree lanes and stuff like that, right? Like so you I, got like, some breathing space. Yeah, there's some breathing space. And I think it's just a, a surrounding Arizona. Like, I just came back from Pine Top. You know, it's freaking Pine Top's phenomenal. I you saw know? those photos. It's like they were very serene to yeah. look at, and I needed that after a ship you week. Need, you go in there, and like I felt like you go in there, you open the door, and you just kind of like you smell pine, the pine freshness, mm. nature's air freshener. You just feel relief, like in a snap, you know. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think Phoenix has a lot of great communities and culture that people represent. A lot of good locals here. And Phoenix, I always say, is like has big city dreams but small town vibes, you know. It's not like a New York minute, but there's a lot of people here appreciate the community aspect here is very strong. And I think I like to take that into, you know, I like to like say that with pride to other people that I think Phoenix has a strong community base, community support base. And, you know, and it's thriving. And I know we're at this boom moment of people. A lot of transplants are moving here. A lot of transplants are moving here. In the past two years, I think 50% of it. You know, and they've been from actually more from Midwest. I don't know you guys have you guys like Oh yeah. Yes. You felt like more Midwest all, or was all my, it? All my best friends here for, for the last <laughs> you know, I've lived here for twenty five years, but my best friends are all from the Midwest or Upper West. Uh I I know a couple natives, but yeah. uh a lot of them are, you know, from from elsewhere, as am I. Yeah. From Oregon. But um but you've been here, yeah. I mean, how long have you been here? 25 for? years now. Oh, so you're already a Phoenician yeah. in a sense. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, more than my half life. my yeah. life has been yeah. been here. And so I, I consider myself more of a, I don't know, native, but I'm an Arizonan. Yeah. I'll never Me live too. anywhere else, you know. Exactly. I second that. <laughs> you, um, I've been here more than half my life. I love it here. So, like, we've all fallen in love here and we've got favorite places. But, I mean, you particularly, you watch um, everything you do uh, through the through the app, through the local Buzz app. You visit so many places. How many places are you getting to on, say, like a weekly basis? You know what? Um, at this this moment right now, I mean, we're we're a young startup, right? And I feel like when you are a young startup and you're building community, you have to f- build that the first before it goes scaling out. You have to build that strong foundation. Sure. And I think the past two years since we launched the app. Um, I visited so many businesses, but I came to visit mostly business that I knew that I was going to build a relationship with. And then <clears throat> those 85% of those people who that build a relationship are still strong, strongly tied to them. And I venture out 15% of it, right? So I think I visited, honestly, I don't know because usually someone just calls me or tells me this is going on and I'm like, I can make it. You know, I'm like, I learned how to say yes, but I also learned how to say no too, right? So, yeah, right, you know, I can't right. say no to, I can't, but you know what the amazing part is, Ted? Even though it was kind of stuff like going out and it takes a lot of time and day, the best part is making those connections. Sure. You get to know people, you know, from a different perspective and understand their backgrounds and, and stories. And I want to tell, you know, my goal is to tell more community stories, you know, I mean, once I get this kind of set up, there'll be more storytelling and, you know, to, you know, to let when Matt lets me borrow his equipment. <laughs> but, but for the most part, I think I like, have a cool carrying case now <laughs> for all this stuff. So, but I'm out there, I'm out there and I, you know what? I love doing it. I love connecting people. It makes life more meaningful. And I think when you get older, um, you know, you don't hang out like in your twenties with a bunch of college friends somewhere. And I think community, you know, I'm ready in my early forties and I think, you know, I think community aspect and paying forward and, and, Connecting with people makes life worth still going for, you know. And um, but plus to show support and let people know, like, man, this business or this 
community has this going on that people need to know about to discover and 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 connect with because this is what makes you living in Phoenix appreciate you living in Phoenix because of these communities that do amazing things to yeah. connect mm-hmm. with. Right? So. I what? really feel like sorry. No, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Local buzz is like a really nice like kind of extension to what we do. Yeah. Because we put it out in print. We have a website. We also have social media as well. Maybe yours is like a little bit more timely, like in the moment. Yeah. Like let like more raw, you know, like, yeah. oh, what am I? I want to go eat something here. Yeah. Where, where's a good taco? You go to local buzz, you go to the food mm-hmm. section. And is it live? Like when the. Yeah, it's chrono- It's chronological. So we have to okay. upload. We have when we first started, um, we only had it where you could record right in the app. But we had to you know, build out extra feature where you could upload stuff. But it's still regardless chronological. Obviously, you're not going to upload something that you experienced like a month ago, you know, because that can be not relevant anymore. Right. right. Or like that special and food has not there no more. Right. So even if you record in the in your phone, you can upload within that week because it's still happening. Right. So we try to. But the chronological, a lot of people miss chronological on their feed, whether it's Facebook, Instagram right. and all that. It's because <laughs> Yeah. All my, all my ads for like uh, Best Fest and Beer Fest have started, show up like three or four days after the event, which I really appreciate that. Right. <laughs> Like, oh, this is relevant. But Yay. yeah, what, what Phoenix Magazine does is, I mean, you guys have the, it's it's already, what Phoenix Magazine does is already the lifestyle of it. You know, talk to many people and, and holding it down for what Phoenix Magazine does, the representation of what goes on in Arizona through a very fun way. It's not a boring, you know. Yes, it's not a boring magazine, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it's not a boring town. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's, it's not a boring town. That's what every time you turn around, there's a new restaurant, you know, or a new shopping experience, or the Mattel Park. Oh my gosh, I'm chomping out the bit for that thing to open up. Yeah, I feel like there's we a need lot. a really decent roller coaster. And I think I, hope I that. think all that. You know, I think I think like capturing guys because Phoenix Magazine also has you know I'm looking at the background, the high country, but also the outdoor. The outdoor hiking, which is the little uh, other chapter. What's the name she writes, right? Mary, she, yeah. Yeah. To me, I think that's amazing because I think that's what Phoenix Southwest is kind of known for is nature. You know, we I mean, I mean, there's not much that we that people, but when people travel to Arizona and they go to Stona, the nature, you know, tra- you know these. It's 5C men- of Arizona, uh, a lot of them. Stuff, climate. Yeah. yeah, climate, right? It's uh, we're, we're also really known for nature, and I think um, I'm glad Phoenix Magazine captures the, the outdoor part of it too. So. <laughs> so you you like to capture everything from outdoors to indoors uh anything that you've noticed from working with small business that here in phoenix that they meet they might need the most help in is it is it an opportunity like that with local buzz to to, to get it just in front of eyeballs or is it expanding you know trying to grow their 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 company or their small business on a digital platform. What do, what do you think is kind of where they're it. struggling that's, the most? You're, 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 that's where that, there's no doubt about it. We're in timeline where digital marketing, social media marketing is important now. It's, it's, you know, before it was newspapers and all that. Right. And, and I'm not saying that small businesses are forced to do that, but that's the world. The world has become that um, evolved into that percent because of technology. And I think with, you know, social media, I think technology should be more of a tool. It's like when people want to know, they want to read and they want something tangible to know what's going on in Phoenix, they could open up Phoenix Magazine. 
you know, they're going in for that, right? They're going in to know about what's going on around Phoenix, around the Phoenix's Valley, through through reading, through pay, you know, publisher uh, publishing. Whereas local buzz is kind of sense in the digital form, but through video, but through the eyes of the user and businesses and people who su- who are on there supporting. I'm just so grateful that there's people on our platform that's highlighting so much about their favorite local business, these mom and pops. And I feel like you know, America's ran off small business. America's country, the country in general was all about small business. And and I think we need to kind of keep that that purity of supporting independent small businesses because that's what makes them unique that people are proud to have in their town, right? It gives us character. <clears throat> it gives character, right? Like Phoenix has a lot of character. Yeah, and definitely. And, and, you know, people in Chicago are just now finding local <laughs> buzz, evidently. <laughs> Chicago's awesome. Definitely awesome. Um, but I think, yeah, but besides the business, the eats and drinks, there's an arts community, right? Um, I come from the arts background um, before snow and all that. And artists is what makes the city thrive as well. We look at Roosevelt Road. Roosevelt Road wasn't built because of development. It was built because of artists. Mm-hmm. And they bring attraction. They bring people who want to come down, take photography with, or create this environment something out of nothing so the arts community is very important from my back end as from my side of things that that people in the city should support strongly because you shouldn't be a starving artist you create more value in this world you guys are artists you're artists when you do the photography stuff you're taking these photos you're creating art you know and people need to appreciate that more because it's what makes life vibrant you know and attractive right yep and so well, the her, her pictures are way better. Than mine. I, <laughs> I take some of the worst pictures you ever see. So I think, yeah, supporting, I think supporting local, you know, small, it's, it's realistic. You're supporting another human being, a human person, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's doing amazing things in the community that you appreciate or that certain community appreciates. And they do it because they're not trying to become millionaires. I mean, they'll probably love, right. but they, when, once you start doing something that you love, Sometimes money, it just if you make this enough to make a living in the world, but you love what you do, it, it means a, it, it's, it means a million dollars already. Yeah. Yeah, you know? For sure. For sure, right? Your family's taken care of. You're doing well. You have a future. You have a strong community base that supports you. You have people who care and love you in, in your neighborhood. You know, that's – what more can you ask for? That's the human component of being, you know – being like just well off in a good way without feeling that I need to be a billionaire, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Go back to uh, what you said about the arts. Would you say that's maybe the biggest change over the last five years in areas like Roosevelt row or, um, I know it's been kind of a big, big, uh, kind of focus for like uh, old town Scottsdale. There's a lot of art galleries and things (laughs) there, but, um, What, or would you say there's something else that maybe is is the biggest change? And I think I think the biggest change. I mean, because we're having a lot more transplants and uh, um, so forth, and you know, the older generation, the older millennial, Gen X generation of artists that paved way, especially for Roosevelt, they're getting old. They're not as active as they were. Um, and you have the new generation, Gen Zs coming up, and younger millennials. Um, I think the shift of that. I mean, now with the city kind of like developing more it's being it's a weird it's a very interesting mix but regardless people are artists that want to still be they want to express themselves and but now they got to battle these issues of how do i get into a gallery that doesn't that makes me 
that want so much of like my percentage, right? Whereas like, I think Roosevelt Road 20 years ago, you could set up almost anywhere in in on the street and all that, and these you know historic abandoned homes, you know, and and have galleries and stuff in a different level where, but it was only a, the arts community was supporting each other. But now we're more mainstream in a sense of Phoenix of blowing up and there's more exposure. So it's like a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. Because the price goes up of things and, and these things are it costs expense to do this, but you're going to get the value of people with more traffic coming in too. So I don't know, but I think with Old Town, I started to see, I mean, you know, Old Town's art district, I started to see the shift of more contempt, not contemporary, but new artists coming in. Because maybe before it used to be just you know, art artworks that was kind of really old, you know, for the older elders. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, at this time, I think there's a new wave of new, new fresh art, younger artists yes. moving into display. And it's, I see that that's a good direction that it should be going because just like antiques, like downtown Mesa, like the arts, vintage, those vintage grandmas, like cupboards and stuff like that, they're all gone. Those, like your grandma's like tea cabinet and all that. People used to collect that like maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, but that generation's gone. And downtown Mesa has no more, I don't think they have any more vintage antique stores. If you think they have about, a couple. Do you think Not so? like they used they to. They used to, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, okay. so I know Same there's Same with yeah. downtown Glendale. They used to have 10. 10, like, yeah. And there's right? like, I think one that's technically an antique store. But that and generation vintage is, Vintage yeah. slingers, you know, which is great. I love vintage clothing. Yeah. But not like that antique shop that had the teeth, yeah, you know, that grandma would stick her like emergency sewing kit in, emergency. you know, like she had to sew a pillowcase together, you know, or a sock. No one can sew anymore. I'm convinced they, they, they don't, nobody knows how to sew. So I, oh, I don't know how they talk make the about clothes. Yourself. Like, no, but I, I have a sewing machine. And all right, Merle, Merle I'm going to bring my stuff to you next time. I think, I think artists overall. I've got a little bit of granny in me. No, that's good. I mean, that's a, that's a, still a, a needed skill. Skill. I mean, you talk to any like a, me as a guy. I'm clueless with that kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> I, might, I have shirts with buttons I've been missing for a long time that just haven't been repaired. I think that's an art form. You know, I think yeah. all that's still an art form. So when I when I speak of artists, he's not just painting. I think you know when people are crafting and and putting metal stuff all together. I see that. I think artists in general, they do so much. They do such creativity stuff that makes people be like wow man I, can, I need to be there or i need to be part of that town or whatever and then i think but they also don't want to do it as a full-time living right and mm -hmm. and they want to you know i think artists always want to have the support that they need because to do what they do to what artists do it takes a lot of time too it takes a lot of it's, it costs and 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 uh, i think the value of providing those kind of vibrant colors for the community or the expression that people want um, they should also support. And I think artists do so much in the community that makes the city amazing that you go to or that people go to or, or, or that tend to, that they should have the support and awareness much more than than just like, oh, he's just an artist. You know, that's it. You know, and brush Yeah. You know? The thing I like about artists and seeing more and more art, public art around is that most of it has some sort of message, big yes. or small, yes. complicated or simple. It helps you kind of filter out some of the nonsense and craziness of the world and see it in perhaps a beautiful portrait. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something that you kind of couldn't understand in your own head might make sense now, even if you don't agree with it, you know? And you see those around and like my boyfriend's an artist and I see a lot of things that he does. A lot of it's very political, but and I'm like, you know, I never looked at it that way before. 
and it makes you kind of feel lighter in a way. It adds yeah, some sort got, of levity, even though it might be a heavy subject. I you think know, taking for that for that that style, if people are putting time to put out their craft, whether it's political or the expression on it, and it could be mind bending. But I think that's the the beauty of expression because everyone's unique in expression, yeah. right? Or make, like <clears throat> comedy, something comedy. that yeah. sat satire yeah, is like too, relief. Right. Thank <laughs> you for making me laugh at that. You know, it was. There's so many different art forms that like has all. I mean, doing art. I think comedy is art as well too. Just yes. you know, even if it's comedic art, but also the performance. So I think when I speak of arts community, I, I think of, I speak of a whole from like everything from theater, from comedy, from from anything that has someone to express their own uniqueness, and they do it with this kind of style of their own for people to discover. Mm-hmm. So. Let's take a little uh, drink break here to tell you about. One of my favorite bourbons, Garrison Brothers. The high fashion takeover is coming soon from the great Garrison Brothers distillery that makes all of its handcrafted award-winning bourbons down on the ranch in High, Texas. Throughout the month of September, Garrison Brothers is presenting the high fashion takeover. Now, what's that? That is where bars and restaurants come up with their own spin, their innovative takes on the old-fashioned recipe featuring Garrison Brothers bourbon. The Garrison Brothers Distillery is the first legal bourbon distillery outside of Kentucky, and it makes its premium bourbons to be rich, bold, and sweet without the heat. It's best served however you like your bourbon, neat over ice or in a craft cocktail like the old-fashioned, of course. For more information on the High Fashion Takeover, visit the website highfashion.com. That's high, H-Y-E is how you spell that, highfashioned.com. Now back to more Tony C. So that's obviously picking up, and you're you're a well traveled man. You uh, <laughs> over over your forty years or so, in looking at other cities and where you've been, what would you say Phoenix is missing the most, or that we just maybe we don't have any of it, or we have just very few that needs to maybe be boosted a little. Philanthropy. Okay. That's what I could say. I could I could nitpick all the little things that everyone talks about. Um, but number one thing, but above everything all, it's philanthropy. Philanthropy is very important because obviously the world runs off, you know, p- being financed and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. To do what you do. You know, philanthropy, when I speak of philanthropy, it's like, you know, like my goal is that when I make a local bus, I want to be a philanthropist. I don't care about flying in like 20 jet planes or yachts, parties, nothing like that. I've been... My family are refugees, and, and we came from the struggle, and there's been people who's helped us out along the way. And my mom is my hero in the sense of treating people with kindness, respect, wellness, doesn't matter what color. If we're sitting out there. There's like 20, there's all these chairs are filled, and my mom walked in. She'll just ask everyone here to come over for dinner, you know? And, and, oh, where and is your mom right now? She's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she sent us those ice cream cakes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that but. solves the mystery. mystery. Your mom is awesome. But philanthropy <laughs> is missing in Phoenix because I meet, I talk with so many small businesses who are pop-ups. And, you know, I know development's happening in Phoenix, especially in central Phoenix. But they're destroying a lot of plazas and buildings. I have a photo from 1970s of downtown Phoenix where central was just all like, Central Avenue just had like historic buildings or like buildings that were just like 800, 900 square feet. Down Central, just just business, rather it's retail, rather it's bar, rather it's restaurant, all that. Um, developers were not even coming in on, and, and you know taking over certain plazas and demolishing it. 
that has like there could be like ten businesses in there, right? And there's like I can name I can name at least five plazas that's gone down already. But there are spaces for small businesses, and but these developers are not from, not here from local, so they don't care less. Mm-hmm. They just come in here to like oh, Phoenix. They probably think Phoenix doesn't have much going on. They're gonna they're like a savior, but it, it's not really. But like if you're gonna build something, have respect for the people that make the community neighborhood. You're not creating a neighborhood. They've been here already. These are people who already wanna who have heart in for the city that wants to see the small business community thrive. Tale and, is the last time. Yeah, you know, and um <laughs> I wish like, you know, like if I could turn back hands of time, well, we're here, we're here now. But my whole goal is that when I make a local buzz is to invest back into communities. Yeah. You know, I mean like, yeah, make a living, take care of my you know, family well and, and myself well, but also take care of others well. And there's things I see in, in the world of meeting of being out there so much that that people need to really see this, to focus on this, to kind of like to make our city thrive, you know, these communities and not lose this kind of essence of what community is about, what business community is about as well, what these small business people provide, what these people in this community and culture also express that they want to share with the people and it comes down to sometimes it's finance you know it is and it's you know i want to make it good but also do socially good as with the finance too right because we're all gonna die you know what i mean it's what you're gonna do in this world that's gonna make an impact that pays it forward so i think that's my whole ambition behind this do you ever have aspirations of local buzz as philanthropic in that they are spreading the word of a small mom and pop business. Yeah, definitely. Local. You know, as much as local, yeah, local buzz goes far. Yeah. Um, my you... goal is to have that still kind of foundation of show showcasing and supporting local communities across the world. Do you, you know? think that it would ever get to be such a powerhouse that you would create like a, I don't know, like a scholarship type of thing for uh, budding everything. businesses or? All the above. People with it, ideas and all the above. If I could do it all, I would do it all. I would do it all. Anything that does to uplift the community, uplift people in general, and make people be happy and, and strive for their goals and support them and, and give them that kind of crutch. And if I have the opportunity to do it, I would do it a hundred percent. Awesome. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. So I have a couple things here I want to uh finish on. You ready for rapid fire? Think, think about some of the places. <laughs> think about some of the places you you visited over the over the years. Um, you know, propping up people on local buzz, and don't even think. Yeah, you know, maybe think okay quickly, it, and we'll do rapid fire here. You ready? Pew pew. All right. <laughs> it could be, and this could be anything from food to events to art oh, yeah. galleries, whatever. Favorite yeah. favorite local spot. Oh man, uh, right now, right now, right now. Oh man. Um. There's this food truck in south of the warehouse district called La Frontera. No, no, I'm sorry, La Hacienda. La Frontera is good too. It's on 60th Street in Van Buren. The other one's the first pick food truck is La Hacienda on Third Avenue and Buckeye. And what do they serve? They serve that's just it's Mexican food. Mexican. I mean, I've ate. I mean, Southwest is known for great Mexican food in general, but consistency. Of there, it's not, and they don't serve like fat, fat, supersized burritos. It's just cooked well, done well. Tortillas are cooked well. I mean, I ate at so many places, and that still goes back to like this place is still top ten for 
and it's consistently good and it's still affordable with everything that's you know becoming inflation right now. Sure, sure. How about uh, most underrated place in town? Most underrated in town. You know it's good. I don't know why I'm thinking flower shops. No, most underrated in town is 3G Vintage at Desert Sun Plaza. The reason why she collects a lot of 70s, 80s, and 90s stuff, because she's from seven, she's from the era, our era. I mean, don't get me wrong, younger Gen Zs who are doing the vintage clothing, like, you know, ways. I think I love what they're doing. Um, but she's what she collects, it comes because of her knowledge of growing up through it. So she has a lot of like 80s, 70s, 80s stuff that we toys that we kid we played as kids what i dig it so right so now because you feel more because for a person who sells that um what's it called 3g vintage a little we got a hot you said that that? that? desert Desert that's off of grand is that grand avenue okay she she has some awesome collectible stuff that i mean there's a lot of vintage stores of clothing stores the 90s around town but when it comes to like accessories and toys and all that she has it down. It's 90s, you said? A bit mixed from 70s, 80s, 70s 90s. 80s, 90s. And it's a little, okay. you know, these, I love when they take Like old post- starter jackets and... <laughs> uh, I don't think, I, I, sometimes she Apex. might have that. Hammer yeah, pants. <laughs> but it's like the size of this room right here, right? Because it's from an old motel, you know? And I love it when they take these 50s and 60s motels and they turn them into like opportunity for small businesses to be in, right? Mm-hmm. It's such create. a clever way to yeah. recycle a building, you recycle know? Building where the next door would be like a hair salon or tattoo shop. And, stuff there, and it right? makes it affordable to a fucking yes. business yes. person. You know, I can yes. afford whatever small rent that you have, might be. You have be, opportunity you know? to be like your own entrepreneur and independent entrepreneur too, right? Yeah. So for affordable price without saying like, oh man, I can't be an entrepreneur because I can't afford this 2,000 square footage. I, I guess I got to go back to doing what I gotta do for my side thing right so last one here what's the place that has surprised you the most that you've been to maybe you've heard about it and didn't had low expectations but it just blew you away or vice versa i've been to so i've been so many places everywhere i go it always blows me away i just go in there with the chaos i think there's too many too many to know but one thing that i can Unique that it's kind of blew me away in the sense what kind of you know it's what's cool really cool is uh curious nature on Melrose. Oh, that place is awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, for someone like who walks in there, you see like you know insects and bugs that are like dried up yeah. and like skulls of. But cat. they're so beautiful. You yeah, get a chance it, to like really see their color and their the textures and their yeah, shapes. The art, the, the art way they do it, right? It's kind of like it's yes. kind of like looking at back in those new National Geographic magazines and insects and or whatever you flip through when you learn science through through these books of you know bugs and butterflies and stuff like that but in person so i think that place was kind of shocking so what is, is that like a museum or it's kind of if you, would, or? you would want to say it's like a museum yeah. do you, i would like describe lots of taxidermy like, <laughs> oddities oh, okay. i would just to sum it up just random stuff mostly like bugs that have been <laughs> cured or something so that they stay like in position it sounds like it sounds like a, a thing that wouldn't have a lot of options if i categorized it on best of the valley to that that be i get reached out to every now and then and be like hey how come um this isn't on best of the valley i'm like well you might be the only person in town doing that that's why it's we need like, options for people to vote hawk salvage what you put what was hawk salvage voted for he was voted for oh best unique. place to buy 
like unique piece of art or something like yeah, that? Yeah, an editorial write-up. That yeah, we kind of kind of it will be something like that. Yeah, yeah that, that you know, would like, kind of like definitely fit in. Yeah, it'll fit in those kind of you know because Hawk Salvage, he's he that guy is um love that man. He's, he's a, a world traveler. He's a world, but no one knew he was a fireman. And I'm gonna say it right now, Hawk. I knew you. <laughs> I saw that on your Instagram. Go ahead <laughs> yeah. and plug your Instagram real quick in because that photo is on there, right? Yeah, yeah he was he he re- he retired. Uh, a few years back, but no one knows, um, because Nate, because he does. Hawks is so grounded with the arts community, um, now, um, because he's in his retirement, <laughs> you know, phase. But the stuff that he did, I sat and talked to him many times, and he's he's done a lot as a fireman, you know, and um, he serves. He's a great person, man. But he collects things that you'd be like, what the fuck? Where'd you? This is like five, six, eight hundred. He has like this book of scriptures. I'm like, did you find us in the sand or something like that? Like, were you like hiking in like, you know, somewhere in the, you know, the desert? <laughs> you know, one of those, like in the movies, then you some, you see this little shiny thing, you pick it up, and it's like this whole book of scriptures. I was like, where did you get this stuff? But it I don't like our modern Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does yeah. feel that's like you're going into the vault that's what, when you, you know go what? into hot that's, salvage. That's what he is. <laughs> For sure. And he literally does travel all over the world to find these things. Which is fascinating. And he did tell me he was a firefighter. And he looks like a firefighter. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of brawny, you know? And like one of those brave, like, I'm going to save the day. Like, he's totally humble. But yeah. He was totally humble because. Interesting dude. He, I know, I know for a fact, has some of his pieces so collectible that's rare that he has buyers that probably buy for like thousands, right? But he also sells stuff that affordable for everyone. You know, in the, at the average Joe to walk in, so he doesn't stay. You know, some people when they still start selling art, they say, "Oh, I only sell to like people who could buy art ten thousand dollars and up, and that's it, right?" That they just go into that class level, right? What makes Hawk grounded is that he's not all. He supports all that. He supports the arts community. He lets yeah. opens up his shop to let artists display their work in there. You know, so he collaborates with the arts community, and um, you know, and he's not. I know he sells a lot of high end prices. But he doesn't say it, but he sells stuff. He makes his gallery open to all. And that's what's amazing about him. So Isn't that the fun part of doing this? Like you get to meet people and learn their stories and then you can share those stories. And I mean that's what our role is. Yeah, you know, that's the best part of this. Journalists job. <laughs> and photographers and podcasters is to learn the stories about people and share them with it so everyone else can hear about them, you know. And most definitely. Most I mean, a lot of people are like to brag on themselves a lot. I, I won't name names, but um, <laughs> there a lot of people don't. And then so it's our job to kind of get their story out and share it with the world yes. and or share it with the That's local it. community. That's what Local Buzz does. That's what we try to do at Phoenix Magazine. That's what we try to do on this podcast. And you're not alone, right? You're not. You you mentioned your your partner Adrian and yep. building the app, and you you have this awesome team behind you. I'm gonna let you brag on them for a little bit give them, <laughs> give them some shout outs tell us uh tell us a little bit about your team um so yeah so me and my co-founder adrian first off first and foremost adrian is an amazing co-founder um we've been partners in this journey for four years already for going four or five years um we're like a yin and a yang uh when we come to i mean every partner business partner is going to debate and uh, but we we are we love to solve problems together. We love to say what the issue is, and then work. we don't. So we don't. We we don't hold each other by the neck. And I think that's because Adrian is 
I don't know if, if it's because he went to Thunderbird. You guys know about that school? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They Thunderbird were. School. Are they still the the, the Chiefs or are they they changed that to the Warriors or something? I don't, I, maybe? I don't know. The Thunder, yeah. no, so I think they the, used to they're be the downtown Chiefs. Ace. Thunderbird so now, School of Management. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in, I was in, thinking no, the high school. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> so Thunderbird, like. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the the higher education. The higher education. Gotcha. <laughs> um, they're in, now they're in downtown ASU. Bought them. They're in downtown ASU now, right? But I think people who who tend Thunderbird, they all have this. Someone told me they all have a similar character to them, because like they deal with business affairs, right. international business. So they have to have this kind of personality that they can get along with everyone. You know, like, you Charisma. know, Charisma. yeah, but like calm, but also like, you know, just listener and, and, and every person I met that's from Thunderbird has a kind of cool, cool, calm, collective personality. But there's this one particular person that Broad told me and said, yeah, we all have the similar things. I'm like, I started to notice it now every time I met someone. From so Aiden's always been that person that gets along with people and knows how to problem solve. As well, he's always about like, okay, this is the issue. Let's make it ha- let's be happy and solve it together. <laughs> you know, at the happy part, right? Um, but hey, he's straight, you know, awesome person. And I have the the teammates, the community team, you know, what Nat the brat, you know, Lala Boo. Uh, I have the awesome teammates, Marie, <laughs> Marie Camacho. <laughs> That's actually her last name, and it's cool. Um, Elise. <laughs> Isabella, the Chicago team, Mark, <clears throat> um, Chicago for keeps, uh, Mike. I'm sorry, not Mike. <laughs> well, I was trying to think, Mark, Chris. Okay, yeah, that's a. So we have, you know, so we have those, and then we have the community team too. So that's the internal team. So we have the internal team that deals. We we deal with the back end stuff, and then we also have the community team, the early adopters, the community team that just loves our mission. And I don't treat them no different in the sense I treat them like you guys are part of the family too. So, but everyone that's on board has this character to them. And I think having that adversity of fun, funky character and nicknames, you know, like, and age range from like mid twenties to like early twenties to like, you know, forties, you know, high forties and fifties. Right. Like I think having all sorts of background makes it, Makes what local buzz, what community is all about. We're all different, but we all have the similar interests and passion and goals. And everyone that's behind the wheel with us all together, I'm, you know, we all switch. You know, I'm not just the one that's driving the wheel. We all switch turns, right? And I feel like in a team, a company like this, a brand like this, or just a team like this, you have to treat your teammates. Just because you're a founder doesn't mean you're above everyone else. But I think I feel like everyone's all equal, you know? I think I treat the, the team like they are founders too. Like they're all on the same levels. Because when you make feel, when everyone feels that way, we, we're more productive, we're more proactive, we're more supportive. And I feel like that's that's what. And it's yeah, everyone with the nicknames are unique. And um, you know, love. I mean, we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> just I think we're good. I don't know what to say. I mean, it makes me just kind of happy about that. I have a great team, you know. And uh, um, I know it seems like I'm just out there by myself, but don't get me wrong. I think. There's some things that I do that some of my teammates can't do, but they know that well, local buzz is my full time in the sense of we got to make it, but we have to, there's got to be someone that drives it for And I feel having that leadership to drive that forward because in the end, it's still kind of, you know, I still founded the company as well with Adrian, right? And 
we still have to take it forward if teammates don't stay. Because there's been some teammates that came on and haven't that, that couldn't do it. And it's not like everyone that's stuck to it. It's either with startups is either you're going to go all the way or you don't. But you have to be part of that grit. There's no like and make progress, right? And there's never like there's going to be moments that we're just going to be hitting brick walls. But how do you go through those brick walls? And, you know, with the team, we can go through those brick walls. Rather, it's give each other a boost, jump over the wall, or just go straight through it. And once you go straight through it, you learn how to go straight through other ones. So Yeah, get on that Tonka truck, <laughs> Tonka truck and drive. <laughs> yeah, that's what's, the, what's, that, what's that movie, Big Trouble in Little China, where um, Jack, um, here's a question. Um, Russell, what's his name? Russell? Kurt Russell. Kurt, someone asked him, are you ready? He was like, I was born ready. <laughs> <laughs> that's such an iconic underrated movie i don't know why i was just thinking about that after you said that like the truck part because he was a trucker right he was a trucker yeah right? that that i saw someone with the tattoo and the t-shirt i think the logo big trouble little china so iconic 80s right it's like yeah i don't know what and he's that. like a working man you know kind of like fighting the big evil, i forget his name yeah. but. <laughs> in chinatown <laughs> But yeah, thanks, man. I mean, yeah. Thanks, man. You guys are great. I think you guys are just, you know, I'm inspired by you guys too. So I think I'm inspired by everyone. I think it's going out, meeting anyone. It's the energy and, and that keeps me going. So. So big trouble in little China. Does, China, does, <laughs> does Phoenix need, I, I, I don't want to focus on, does Phoenix need a, a Chinatown or you know what, Phoenix, is there one? The I, don't, so, I don't know of one. Yeah. So Phoenix did have a Chinatown. So actually, um. When I did the Phoenix Night Markets 2019, it was in the warehouse district on Jackson Street. So the stadium where Phoenix Suns is, that's where the Chinatown was. Yeah. But um, so I paid homage to the Chinatown. And at that time, you know, the, on the train tracks is where all the blue collar workers at. And Phoenix was known as a where, you know, agriculture, right? Mm-hmm. The five C's. Man, the history of like the warehouse district when I got into it is freaking phenomenal. It's so phenomenal. Like... <clears throat> All those warehouses, well, whatever's left, but where the stadium is, all that where the Diamondbacks play and all that, they were all produce warehouse. And there used to be a terminal. I think it's still there, the front facade of it on 3rd and Washington, which used to be Madison and 3rd Avenue, where people used to bring their produce from their farms and to trade yeah. to sell right there. And right there, it was like kind of one of those, the regional farmer's market type of feel, wow. right? Um. So when I did the Phoenix Night Market, it was a homage to the the Chinatown that was there, and the Chinatown was it was unique because it was multicultural. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a San Francisco Chinatown. It wasn't like a New York, right? It didn't have that kind of identity in the sense of the pagoda and all that. Because after the seven, that's when after the seventies, a lot of people left downtown, and that's how the stadium came to be. Because they're like, okay, we need to revive this and be something, right? So they demolished that part, and they built the stadium on top. But they did pay homage to, in the stadium, there's like a shrine area about the history. And there's, there's still a couple warehouses from the Chinatown era that has like plaques in there about the first Phoenician Chinese Americans and stuff like that. But <clears throat> the story behind it was wild because the train tracks used to go through it, right? And like Chinatown had like, had Latinos, had Japanese, uh, um, you know, Filipinos and so forth, right? And like, it was, but the map I seen, you could see, you could go to Arizona Library, I mean downtown library, and go to the Arizona room, and they have a map of like the tenants that used to be, all that stuff, and it shows how multicultural it was. Sure, that's yeah. awesome. 
yeah. So my whole goal, I want before <laughs> I want to make this is crazy. When I did the night market, I want to turn Jackson Street. We know where best we best best. best, best. Yeah. So like I did Phoenix night market on that street. I took over from Central down to Diamondbacks Stadium right there was the strip of Phoenix Nine Market. In the back end, you know, the back parking lot has the parking. That was also part of Phoenix Nine Market. So you, it was kind of like a loop. So you walk, you go on the street and enjoy like the festivities of like vendors and all that, not food vendors, but like we had like Cobra Arcade set up. We had Game On Expo. They, they would blast like plasma screen on, on the stadium and play, you know, all these amazing things people performing and then on the back end was the food vendors and you walk through the back and it felt like and you see the train coming at the same time you know this is like at six eight o'clock at night right to nine o'clock and you had lights that were kind of like asian you know they were asian themed with the go to lights and all that and you would have food and just do laps walking in circles you could just eat walk and go have fun and i would have like we had like pikachu walks dancers and and we had like you know, Japanese drummers walk around the whole, you know, festival and just drum and just in a lot of interaction. And it was like more of an experience. I was telling him when I talked to Brett, I was like, I think, I think for Best Fest, he asked me about Best Fest. It was next year. Um, he wants to make it more catered to kind of music as well, you know. So, um, but I think, you know, so where Best Fest was done, uh, that warehouse um, was a, I don't think it was a potato factory. I think the lot across street was was a potato factory, but that where I forgot what the warehouse was. But I learned I learned about that warehouse and uh, but the warehouse across the street that's part of that's part of Chinatown. That's yeah. the one of the last remaining. Yeah. In the heart of Chinatown. Yeah, that still has some of the old letters on yeah, it. Yeah, on the uh, signage. Concept. There's a photo from 1920s, like late 1920s. Uh, <clears throat> it's black and white, of course, but it showed like 30 people in front of that building. But it was all diverse. And that time, 1920s, to see a business like that with, you know, Asian, Latino, white folks and all that working all together was very interesting. You know? Wow. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Will you post yeah, it on your Instagram? I love your, <laughs> your personal Instagram, Infinite Tone. You have all these historic photos. And my favorite one that sticks out in my mind is the one of you with the owner of the old restaurant. Oh, seeing high, yeah. Seeing high. Like, I'm fascinated with that yeah. building because you can still <laughs> see, like, indications of the like de- decorations on the yeah. exterior so that and yeah was that you as a little boy or your dad i forget no 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 so that that was that was i was in phoenix at the time that was harlan harlan and so the picture that what i posted i think a couple months ago uh was harlan and his mom on there okay and he was harlan lee is the last gen the third generation of his family so his grandpa came over from china in the 1920s to be with our family here in phoenix he started singing, but he had no new, he knew new English, no English. So how the name came to be was when he was about to open a restaurant, he asked a guy to write a sign. It's supposed to say Shanghai, oh. <laughs> but they couldn't understand each other. So he wrote Singhai, S-I-N-G-A. So and it became a, a, a Fina, it became a Fina icon. So it was one of the last remaining Chinese restaurants in 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 downtown. It closed in 2018. So Not they after after yeah after they demolished Chinatown, um they moved down to I think Madison and like first, mm-hmm. so first right right where the government district is where the courthouse is, 
they bought that ho- old hotel, that historic hotel used to be called Patio Hotel. And that's when they turned it to the Sing High for like 20 years. But Harlan Lee, he retired. His kids don't want to take over anymore. You know? So it went from grandpa to Harlan's dad. And Harlan, and he, you know, he's in his late 60s. So he, he sold that. You, don't, you guys want to know how much he sold it for. <laughs> but he sold it for a good chunk. I hope that he's living well. Oh, he's living well. But he's still here in P- he's Phoenix. And one thing I wanted to do was um, when I was doing the night market and I still had snow, I wanted to open up a, a 1920s. Chinese Gatsby style vintage bar. I was gonna ask you. Like kind of, like, I don't want to say opium den, right? That's kind of <laughs> like too, it's too, too extreme and too kind of stereotypical in a sense, but, but kind of more exquisite. Uh, but a vintage 1920s Levens, like how Shanghai had that era uh, they had during the 20s, um, uh, especially during the height of the 20s, and the the the, the print models that they used to use with these women in dresses were so elegant and all that thing, right? I want to bring that back and seeing high started in 1920s. Um, but when I was doing the night market in Phoenix and snow, I was trying to come up with a name if I was to open this like Chinese bar, you know, um, underground feel and everything like that. You know, um, I couldn't think of a name. Then I kind of scrapped the idea because I went on with local buzz and all that. But I started thinking about it more often and I ran into Harlan because I always see him like every year somehow in Phoenix, somewhere in Phoenix. Um, but I knew him from the, you know, from the years before, um, and it just clicked to me. I was like, Harding, would it be cool if I use your sing high as the name of the bar? And he was like, of course. So yeah, love it. I have, I have a lot. I still have all the photos, a lot of the photos, a lot of people who are the old Phoenician Chinatown Americans that started the Chinatown, their families all still here, the Yi family, all, all that. They have all the photos. China, Phoenix, downtown Phoenix had so many Chinese restaurants. Like the nineteen, even like through to the fifties, sixties of like that, what you see in the fifties TV show. You know how like that's those kind of like the era of fifties as well. Like so many. There's so many. There's so a lot of families knew what when I did the night market, what I did to you know pay homage to the old Chinatown. So I talked to some families. Say I want to use some of your photos if it was okay. They're like. Cool. I go, but I told Harlan, I go, when the time comes, not now. <laughs> you know, I can't. I want to really succeed in local buzz first. I want to open up a restaurant, uh, you know, hole in the wall type of vintage 1920s style, 1920s Chinese bar that pays homage to Phoenix's history, but the style will be of that Gatsby era, uh, Shanghai Gatsby era, but name it Shanghai that has relations to Phoenix and use some of the historic photos inside the building and maybe some of the menu items um but serve like chinese tapas but for the most part yeah have well you have a cocktail called the harlan <laughs> no, yeah of course i, would I love think to. that would be delightful me. but above all well back to the whole night market thing is that i wanted to also turn jackson street into something called like a lantern name to show that there was a chinatown here so you could go so in front of like you know where best fest was imagine it was just like lanterns just a photogenic lanterns cross all the way down to the stadium. Yeah. That'd be a, a backdrop. Right? Yeah. A cool backdrop, but it just but it has meaning to it because there was a Chinatown here. Yeah. Not just because we're doing it, just because we're doing it. It just means that there was a forgotten Chinatown here. And that's here. art. That's art. And that's yeah. art. That's why art is so just important. Be photogenic. Remember be, things yeah. that are important. It could be a lane of just having like you go there at nighttime and take photos and be great place to take photos and just 
no piece of that history of that. Why are there lanterns on the street? Because there's a child. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It'll mm-hmm. encourage people to like find out why. Yeah. And then they and, learn yeah, that could really that revitalize that, that whole down, yeah, south plus, of the like, stadium you know, and kind of remind uh, people of what they have going on in like Washington, D.C. with their Chinatown. There's a, you know, the, the arena is like right in the middle of all that. And, um, uh, you know, otherwise it's, you know, it's been there and yeah. it never went away. It's right. been there for a long time, but. The warehouse um, district was vibrant. It was a vibrant. It was so many. I mean, at that time, there was no technology jobs. Everyone was an iron worker, blue crop, crop, you know, selling crops, farm, and all that. Yeah. There's so much traffic down there, you know. But after that, you know, after people left downtown, that's what the history just went down the drain because the city is, you got, it's the city that didn't invest it back into how can we kind of keep the history of this. There was a gap. You know? Right. Whereas some cities, they just kind of like continue on and build on have people build on it right where people just left phoenix a little bit so <clears throat> well cool Tony. <laughs> Sorry, the- this has been awesome man you gotta <laughs> let the phoenix magazine editors know when you get around to that shanghai that'll be a while that'll be a while that'll be a while Shang- shanghai will be an exclusive or singhai singhai yeah. will be an exclusive for phoenix mag when it <laughs> singhai Sing I got to get that right. <laughs> Shang, Shang, I, I, yeah. I know, but I want to tell that story how the name came that to is, be. Isn't that, that cool? That is a great story. <laughs> like, yeah, a little like, lost in translation. Be like, yeah, just go with it. You know, Maybe and, a cocktail lost in translation. Yeah. Too, you know? <laughs> well, this has been uh, super awesome. Tony, appreciate you coming down here and uh, spending some time to chat with us. Most definitely. Thank you so much. All right. Be on the lookout for more with um, our great 48 alumni in the next few weeks. We are lining up those and uh, looking forward to the 2023 class of the great 48 coming out in the November, December issue of Phoenix magazine. By the way, make sure to check out the newest issue, September, October, where we have the, the great uh, foodie bucket list. Everything you ever wanted to try here in Phoenix before you die, of course, uh, from a culinary standpoint. We also have a great uh, fall travel and destination brewery kind of uh, feature in that. Yours truly had a part in writing some of those stories. You got to visit with Copper Brothel Brewing and uh, the, the brewery down at Torito Farm in Wilcox. Awesome, awesome stories. Good time visiting with those guys. So check out September, October issue of Phoenix Magazine coming to your mailbox if you're a subscriber and coming down to the uh, newsstands. I believe it should be on newsstands the first week of September. So make sure to check that out. Want to also tell you about the Arizona Craft Beer Awards coming October 21st. It's a Saturday. Out on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium, the, the building there that hosts us is called Heritage at Sportsman's Park. It's all that great tailgating lawn that you see outside of the where the Cardinals play. We had the, the first event last year out there, the Arizona Craft Beer Awards Festival. Great time. All the breweries are going to be out there. We're partnering with uh, the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild and part of the uh, proceeds from that festival go towards their foundation so we are uh, excited we're getting the judging started in september we're going to have the awards in early october and then the festival celebrates everything on the gray lawn saturday october 21st get your tickets right now tickets.phoenixmag.com tickets.phoenixmag.com and we'll see you at the arizona craft beer awards festival on saturday october 21st That'll do it for today's episode of the Phoenix Magazine Podcast. God willing, we will see you here next week.